All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? How do you get it? We'll deconstruct everything from motivation and mental health to anti-racism and addiction. Ultimately, the goal is to give you the tools and strategies that you need to live your most powerful life, being a force for good in the world and impacting the people around you in a positive way. Powerful is brought to you by me, your host, Jeff Kula. I help people change and build incredible teams. Welcome to the show. What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship itself. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. I'm Josh Clark, and you're listening to Powerful with Jeff Couliard. Welcome back to Powerful. My name is Jeff Coulard, and here we are between the holidays, between Christmas and New Year's. And instead of dropping an episode with a guest, because who wants to have their episode come out in the middle of a holiday when everyone is hungover from eating too much turkey and or out skiing or playing in the mountains, hopefully, you know, not at work. So I thought instead that I would offer you some thoughts that I've got for how to suffer more in 2020. And obviously, it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek episode. I don't actually want you to suffer more. I want you to suffer a lot less, um, whatever suffering looks like for you. But after you know more than a dozen years working in addictions treatment, and then the time that I've been spending with leaders and employees in a wide range of sectors, you know, a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people are suffering with anxiety, suffering with depression, suffering with addictions in one form or another. And you can go all the way back to episode three, where I kind of break down addiction and the spectrum that addiction lives on in society to realize that the things that we do to numb ourselves, the things that we do to distract ourselves from the distress or the pain or the disconnection that we find ourselves in, you know, that's to me, that's suffering. And and I don't want you to suffer. But if you do want to suffer more, then here are my three really practical steps. And so step one is to outsource your emotional control to external factors, whether that's a person or a context or an incident, you know, to be able to take something that happens to you and take the associated emotional response that you have and give it away, give the power to control that away to that incident. And so I'll give you an example. Um, Last summer, I was parked downtown. I was doing a, a leadership workshop with a human resources department. And ironically, it was on compassionate communication, how to communicate with ourselves and with other people more compassionately with less judgment and with less anger. And I walk out of the session, it's about one o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm walking across the parking lot and I see a bunch of glass scattered out underneath of my truck. And sure enough, somebody had taken a large piece of cement and, and put it through the passenger side window and rifled through the the uh, glove box and, and, you know, looking for cash or looking for something. And in that immediate moment, you know, I was pissed off, let's face it. But I also realized that they didn't slash my tires and they didn't break all the windows in my truck. And so it quickly actually went from being annoyed and aggravated at the actions of somebody else to a sense of gratitude that, you know, I've got insurance and, you know, a quick phone call and a 
$200 deductible and the, the window was fixed fairly quickly. And I got to drive a really fancy, fast rental car around. Um, that's beside the point. The point is that if I was to give the, my sense of emotional control away to that incident or to that person, that puts them in control. And that's a recipe for, for suffering, right? That's a recipe for being at the whim and mercy of everybody else's actions, behaviors, inactions, the things that people do and don't do, right? And that's not a, a way to really exercise our personal power. And so personal power can be a bit of a tricky thing to really get get a grasp of it. So it can be a little bit slippery. And so one of the things that I think about is the power that I have over my own emotions and my own emotional response to life. And the more control that I have over that, the less I suffer or the, for the shorter duration, let's face it, we're probably still going to suffer a little bit. I'm not suggesting that you should never feel the emotions. You just shouldn't attribute those emotions to somebody else. They always arise internally and we always have to be able to maintain control over that or be, we become, you know, like I said, at the mercy of the whims and, and behaviors of other people. And that's not a way that, that I want to live. Step two in suffering more is instead of feeling your feelings, you should eat, smoke, drink, Netflix, you know, whatever your numbing habit of choice is, you should engage in that instead of actually acknowledging the feelings that you've got and recognizing the deeper underlying needs and values that are at play and the tension that's being generated, right? Because that's all feelings are. Feelings are just um, an indication that we have a need that is either being met or unmet, you know, at its most basic level. Um, but too often we experience our frustration or our annoyance or our anger or our sadness. And instead of doing that bit of deep diving into, you know, what's actually going on, we choose instead to, to numb and to give us a little bit of insight into the phenomenon of numbing ourselves from our emotions. Here's a little snippet from Brene Brown's first Ted talk. We live in a vulnerable world. Um, and one of the ways we deal with it is we numb vulnerability. And I think there's evidence, and it's not the only reason this evidence exists, but I think that there, it's a, a, a huge cause. We are the most in debt, obese, addicted, and medicated adult cohort in US history. The problem is, and I learned this from the research, that you cannot selectively numb emotion. You can't say, here's the bad stuff. Here's vulnerability, here's grief, here's shame, here's fear, here's disappointment. I don't wanna feel these. I'm gonna have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin. <laughs> I don't wanna feel these. You can't numb those hard feelings without numbing the other affects or emotions. You cannot selectively numb. So when we numb those, we numb joy, we numb gratitude, we numb happiness. And then we are miserable and we are looking for purpose and meaning. And then we feel vulnerable. So then we have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin. And it becomes this dangerous cycle. Um, one of the things that I think that we need to think about is why and how we numb. And it doesn't just have to be addiction. So it turns out that step two in how to suffer more is actually just a little bit of a deeper dive into step one, because 
we're externalizing control again over our emotions, this time in order to not feel the emotions. And so step one is to give control of your emotional well-being or your state to external circumstances, whatever that happens to be. Maybe it's a broken truck window. Maybe it's somebody who didn't say good morning to you in the office, or maybe it was somebody who cut you off in traffic, or maybe it was your kid who didn't go to bed at the appointed time. And But blaming them or attributing their actions to your internal state Uh, It's called locus of control, and it's an external locus of control, and it's actually just us unintentionally disempowering ourselves from what we should always have control over, which is how we choose to experience the world that we're in. We we can't choose um, the things that are going to happen to us. I didn't choose to have someone put a rock through my window, but I sure as heck can choose the state that I'm going to inhabit after the fact, right? And I can allow myself to be angry and frustrated and pissed off, and I can sit in that And I did for a couple of minutes, probably. Uh, And then I can choose to step out of that and step into a place of feeling grateful that it was just a broken window and grateful that I have a good insurance company and grateful that I even have a truck to begin with to get myself downtown to do meaningful work with a group of professionals. And when you look at it through that lens, when you take control over your own emotional state, 10 times out of 10, you'll probably realize that you actually have it pretty good and there's lots to be grateful for and that it could be worse. And that's not forcing a silver lining. I don't believe in forced positivity and not acknowledging suffering, right? But I don't think that we should sit in our suffering. I think we should suffer as for as short a duration as possible, and then we should get back to a beautiful state, a state of wellness, a state of gratitude, whatever a beautiful state looks like for you. Maybe it's joy, maybe it's presence, maybe it's heads down doing meaningful work. And this leads us into step three, of how to suffer more. And this is probably the most important step. And this is where we distract ourselves and don't hit the pause button long enough, get ourselves on a treadmill or a hamster wheel in our own lives. And we don't hit the pause button to truly reflect and examine what it is we care most about. What is that beautiful state for us? What is meaningful work? How do we want to show up inside of our relationships with our kids or with our partners or with our colleagues or with our friends? What contribution do we want to make in the world? What's meaningful to us? If we're dislocated from those things, from what's most meaningful to us, well, then it makes sense to distract ourselves from the tension that that's going to create. Because I think that that's actually probably the underlying source of most tension, distress, suffering, whatever you want to call it, in our lives is when we get dislocated from the thing or the things that bring us meaning. And we'll be talking a lot more about meaning and how to find it, how to discover what's most meaningful to us as individuals, but also inside of our organizations um, with my friend and colleague Stephen DeGroote in some upcoming episodes. But in the meantime, a useful exercise that you can do to see if you are actually aligned with your most important values is to actually hit the pause button. And this time of year is great for me. I love to reflect on life in general between the holidays, between Christmas and New Year's. It tends to be that kind of quieter downtime. There's not a lot going on, surrounded by family and doing meaningful activities with my kids. And it's time to ask myself, you know, what is most important 
to me. And for the past couple of years, the, the three things that have been most important in my life are purpose. And I define purpose for me as helping people change and live their most meaningful lives and building incredible teams of professionals in lots of different areas. The second most important value for me is is family, is my kids and my wife and the time and that I spend with them and my presence with them and how engaged I am in relationship with them, being compassionate and empathetic and available for them and to meet their needs. And then health and wellness is a, sometimes a distant third, but uh, it's been creeping up more and more these days as a, as a focus. Um, my own wellness, whether that's my own mental wellness or my own physical wellness, and I know that I suffer more when my behavior, when my choices, when my actions are misaligned with those three values. Right? When I find myself doing things that are incongruent with those or not clearly aligned is when I tend to feel the most distress or stress or tension in my life. And it can get really easy to get disconnected from those values when we live in a world that is trying to impart a different value set or a competing value set, a value of always being turned on, always being available, always being um, consuming. In fact, all you have to do is look at your social media feed, whether that's on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you get your numbing agent of choice on the internet these days, and you'll see that people are really just competing for your attention, trying to sell you something, whether it's an idea or whether it's actually something they want you to pay some money for. And when we're hooked up to that fire hose, when we're hooked up 24-7, we don't have the time and space to meaningfully reflect on those things that are important to us. And those incongruencies will start to increase and the gap between how we're living and how we want to be living will grow. And it's inside of that gap that suffering appears because those emotions, again, going back to step one, we externalize our emotions or our control to somebody else, and then we start to numb them. And so it becomes, like Brene said, this dangerous cycle that we get on. And the only way to break that cycle is to actually hit, be able to hit the pause button. And so I encourage you to do that right now. Take a couple of days and hit the pause button on all the things that are non-essential in your life, put the book down, put the, put the phone down, and do some reflection and think about, you know, what are my top couple values? And again, we'll talk more about meaning and how to find our meaning in later episodes. But for now, a quick recap of how to suffer more in 2020. Uh, first step is to externalize emotional control to things that are outside of your day-to-day -day control or within somebody else's control, whether that's a person or a context. Step two is when you feel those feelings is to numb them somehow. Eat, smoke, drink, Netflix, whatever your numbing agent of choice is, is to engage in that. And the third step is to not hit the pause button, is to not um, allow yourself to reconnect back to what's most meaningful, the things that are really important to you, your needs and your values. Okay, that's all I got for you. Short 15-minute episode this week. I'm back next week for actually my birthday episode, and we're going to talk about the single most important conversation that you will ever have in your life, and it's the one that we ignore to our peril, and it's the one that we often don't realize uh, we haven't had yet. And so I'm looking forward to digging into that with you as I start another trip around the sun uh, in 2020. In the meantime, thank you so much again for listening to Powerful. 
My name is Jeff Coulard. You can learn more at www.jeffcoulard, J-E-F-F-C-O-U-I-L-L-A-R-D.com if you want to read more or listen to more podcasts or get in touch with me for your training, development, coaching needs for you or your team. Thanks so much and have a wonderful New Year's.